Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Mm-mm-mm. You have your Bibles turned to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. This is a special Sunday for us across all of our campuses. This is 320 Sunday. And 320, you know, is taken from our anchor verse as a church. It's part of the bedrock of who we are as a family of faith. The Bible says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine according to that power that's at work in us. I want you to know there is a power inside of you that's greater than anything you've ever experienced in your life. Anything on the face of the earth, there's a power in heaven that is deposited in our hearts as believers. And we've been in this series called Miracles. Has this been a a helpful journey for you over the last three or four weeks? Man, what a great, what a great journey for us as a church to stretch our faith and look at the scriptures as we see the supernatural. If you were here last week, didn't Pastor Johnny do a great job talking about waiting for a miracle? I thought it brought great balance and perspective to us. How many of you know that that our timing is not always God's timing? His schedule's a little different than yours. Can I have a good amen? What do you do while you wait? You know, you continue to press in, you seek, you believe, you, you build the life that you want with the life that you have. So if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go back and listen to it. Super, super helpful. Today, I want to talk to you as we wrap up this series. The title of the message today is simply this, making a way for others, making a way for others. Some might say others. You know, I I love today here at this campus alone. Do you know that at Highland Campus alone, we're baptizing over 120 people? Come on, can somebody say, yay, God? And across all of our campuses, if you look at the number of people we baptized last year compared to this year, we have nearly doubled water baptism totals. And this has been a year of revival, right? We we talked about revival. Lord, we want to see you move. Can I tell you, we are seeing the supernatural hand of God move among us. I want you to know as a pastor, I get to see more miracles in one month than people, most people get to see their entire lives. I am convinced that we serve a God of the supernatural. He requires us to do our part. That's called natural. You and I have natural responsibilities. And then he adds his super to our natural. Can you say amen? And and I've been so blessed. I've been on the receiving end of God's goodness. The scripture says his goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. Can I get a witness? How many of you can look at your life and you can see the supernatural touch of God? Man, you look at your children and you know, man, that had to be God. Man, you look at what's happening in your work and you're thinking, man, that ain't me. Come on, that's the Lord through me. I mean, some of you got blessed financially this year. Man, it was a surprise to you. That didn't come because of your goodness. It came because of his goodness. Man, we we witnessed the, the hand of God in our lives. And I've just reached this point in my life. Lord, if you never do another thing for me. Now, Lord, I want him to do some stuff. But if he never does another thing for Mike Heyman, he's already done enough. And you know what I've been praying now? I'm in a season in my life where I'm praying, Lord, 
would you use me to be a part of a miracle in somebody else's life? How many of you know we can't get selfish when it comes to the supernatural? Man, we can't just say, well, Lord, I want this. Lord, I need this. But now I'm at a point in my journey where I'm saying, Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, that goodness that comes to me has to flow through me. Come on. As a church, man, we're not selfishly chasing the supernatural. We're going after God. And we're saying, Lord, would you use us? Use our serve, use our sacrifice, use our generosity to be a miracle in somebody else's life. Mark chapter 2, it probably frames, it frames it so much better than what I could try to explain. Mark chapter 2, making a way for others. This is the story of the man on the mat. If you follow along in the scriptures with me, and some of you have the notes on your app, you'll see where we're going. I want to walk you through this passage and show you what God did in the life of one man because he had some friends who made a commitment to see the supernatural happen in somebody else. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later. Now, let me give you some context here. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's just, he's chosen his disciples and he's just started a, a preaching and teaching ministry. He's returning from a tour of preaching in different towns and villages. And everywhere Jesus went, supernatural things happen. I love that. Somebody say, Jesus is here. Say anything can happen. And Jesus is on this ministry tour, and then he comes back home to a, an area called Capernaum. It's one of his home bases. It's a small village in Galilee. I've actually been there back in 2017. I went to Capernaum, and in my mind, I imagined this moment in Mark chapter 2. The Bible says when he returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. <laughs> I love that. So packed with people. Kind of sounds like HPC, doesn't it? <laughs> Can I tell you this? Crowds are not a bad thing. I know sometimes we resist and maybe we resent. We avoid crowds. But I tell you this. I love when HPC is crowded. I do. Some people might not like that, but I want you to know as your pastor, I pray that this place is packed out. I pray that for denim. I pray that for ascension. I pray that for every environment of healing place. Lord, let the house be full. Do you know that this week we prayed over every seat in this sanctuary? Somebody laid hands on the seat that you're sitting in today. And you know what we pray? We pray, Lord, fill every seat, and God, fill every heart. I don't like empty seats, but I can't stand an empty soul. Come on, somebody. When God throws a party, he wants the place to be full. Can somebody say amen? That's why Jesus said, go to the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to come. The place was crowded. Crowds are not a bad thing, but I want you to know this. The presence of Jesus is the main thing. We don't make this about crowds. We don't gauge the health and success of a church based on attendance only. In fact, we look at prioritizing the presence of Jesus. 
fact, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men and women unto myself. I love that. I was in a conversation recently with a pastor that came to visit, and, and he was just amazed at the diversity that's in the church. And he began to ask me questions about, how are you going about bringing such diverse people together? He said, this, in my mind, is what heaven is going to look like. All different colors and shades and ages and backgrounds and ethnicities. He says, how are you doing that? I said, well, it's pretty simple. We're just lifting up Jesus. In John 12, 32, he says, if I be lifted up like a magnet, I will draw people to myself. If we just make Jesus the main thing. Lord, we make much of you in this place. This is not about a personality, a denomination, even a church label. This is about Jesus. And it's amazing what happens when you keep Jesus at the center. The Bible says the house that he was at was packed and there was no more room. Scripture says in the last half of verse 2, While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, here's, here's where we see this story begin to take a turn. Jesus is teaching and preaching in this home. He's in Capernaum, which is a small village in northern Galilee. The place is packed with people. There's no room for another person. And the Bible says four men arrive, and this is kind of an unusual picture because four men show up, and there's one man that they're carrying who's on a mat. I, I want to talk to you for just a few moments. And I want you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Everybody has a mat. Everybody does. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not paralyzed. I'm not handicapped. Can I tell you, this mat represents limitation. This mat represents struggle. This mat, anybody know anything about struggle? This mat represents op obstacles. Oh, it's hard getting down on the mat. <laughs> Bible says they arrived carrying a man on a mat. I want you just for a few moments this morning to put yourself on the mat with this man. Imagine what life was like for the man on the mat. In the ancient world, a paralytic had a very difficult time just surviving. His world had been reduced to three by six. I want you to think about what would it feel like every morning to wake up only to look at the ceiling of a room that you will never walk out of, to look at the body that holds you prisoner, a mat that makes up your world. I wonder what it felt like to know intuitively you will never be free. Life looks the same every single day. Monday looks like Tuesday, looks like Wednesday, looks like next week and the next week and for years. This paralyzed man on the mat, he had nothing to look forward to. He literally depended on people for everything to feed him, to bathe him. To clothe him. He had no options. He had no money. Family doesn't, uh, the Bible doesn't speak of him even having family. He has no opportunities. I mean, think about it. The, the, the ancient world was cruel for a paralytic man. Overlooked. 
I wonder how many people actually never even thought of him. In fact, in, in Bible days, most people would judge him. Most people would criticize him saying, well, obviously he sinned or else he wouldn't be paralyzed. And if it wasn't his sin, maybe it was his parents' sin. I wonder what sin the family committed that God would judge him and confine him to a mat. Listen, everybody has a mat. And church is the least likely place that we like to talk about the mat. We, we don't want to acknowledge our mats. Come on, somebody. It's, it's easier to pretend that we have everything together. But I'm thankful to be a part of a church. We're not the gathering of the perfect, but we're the assembly of the authentic. I'm glad that in this house, we acknowledge limitation. That, that we recognize everybody's struggles. We say it every week. I'm not perfect, but... The only one who's perfect is Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got issues. Now answer them and say, it's worse than you think it is. See, the mat is what we're least proud of and most likely to hide. It's, it's what I call mat management. Well, I know I got issues, but man, his mat is 10 times worse than my mats. Mm -hmm. Come on home with me today. You know, authenticity has enormous power. And I love being a part of a spiritual family that says, we all struggle. Can I tell you this? Every one of us is broken in some capacity. I know we have our stuff together in some areas, but there's an area in everybody's life that we're not proud of. Everybody has a mat. I remember the first time Rachel and I, we dated for four years. I remember the first time I saw her with no makeup. <laughs> Baby, you remember that? Oh, yeah, you do. Yes, you do. It's a real defining moment in every romantic relationship, okay? I showed up to her house early one Saturday morning, totally unannounced. I needed to borrow her dad's truck because we were moving some furniture. And so I knock on the door, and she answers it. I mean, her hair is everywhere. Man, her face, swollen eyes. I could tell she just woke up, not a stitch of makeup on, wearing just her old ratty T-shirt and sweatpants. She opens the door, and she was shocked to see me. I was a little shocked myself. I said, wow. And she said, wow, what? I mean, that's a fragile moment. That moment kind of hung in the balance. And being a pastor, you know, not, I wasn't a pastor then, but I was a, a, a pastor in the making. Man, you got to think quick on your feet. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> Baby, I love this all natural look, okay? I, I don't even know why you wear makeup. It just hides your true beauty. Come on, fellas. You with me? Come on. You with me? Saw what I did there? What if, what if, what if, ladies, what if I announced next Sunday, I declare no makeup Sunday. We're tired of all the hiding. We're not going to cover the blemishes. We're going to keep it real up in here. <laughs> Somebody would be like, yeah, I'm attending the online campus that Sunday. 
You know what's interesting? The very thing that should have separated this man from others was what really drew them all together. This is what I call the fellowship of the mat. You see, everybody needs, listen to this, everybody has a mat, but everybody needs a friend. You see, when we acknowledge that we have struggle, weakness, we got challenges, there are things about our life that maybe we're not proud of, things that we are working on, but, but when you have friends that love you for who you are, where you are, the mat no longer separates you from people, but it actually draws you together. Can I have a good amen? Somebody say, everybody has a mat. Say, everybody needs a friend. I'm glad that this is a church that mirrors the fellowship of the mat. We're not judging anybody for their mats. Man, we're identifying we got our own struggles. So we give grace. You know why? Because we need grace. This whole story takes place because of the friends. I mean, think about this. Without the friends, this man never gets to Jesus. This man never gets his sins forgiven. He never gets healed. Friendship is incredibly important. The Bible says Jesus was a friend to sinners. You know why? Because sinners needed help. And as a church, man, we can't isolate I mean, we, 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 we can't separate ourselves from those who need us the most. We've got to engage those who struggle because when you reach out to serve somebody, supernatural things begin to happen. What I love about these boys, now the Bible doesn't give them a name, but I'm going to name them, okay? I call them the what's up boys. Somebody say, what's up? Okay, you'll see how this comes into play in just a moment. But I love the unselfishness of the what's up boys. You know, this was their hometown too. They heard that Jesus was right down the road. They could have easily been selfish saying, okay, I need to get something from Jesus. But instead, they weren't thinking about themselves. What can I get from him? They thought, who can I bring to him? Okay, this is big. As a church, we need to shift our focus. I'm sure the what's up boys had some needs themselves. But their thoughts were not for themselves. Their thoughts were for somebody else. Their thoughts were for their friend. How can we get our friend to Jesus? You see, when we make a commitment, I've discovered this in my life, that if I can help as many people as possible, I will always have help when I need it. Do you see that? If you and I could shift our thinking, and that's what 320 is. In just a moment, at the end of our time together across all of our campuses, we're going to sow a seed. We're going to give something financial. We're going to make a sacrifice sowing a seed. And you know what that is? That's really going to the mat for somebody else. Sowing a seed is not thinking, what can God do for me? But sowing a seed is about, how can I help bring somebody to Jesus? That's what we do throughout holiday outreach, Christmas Clubhouse. Man, we're bringing people to the feet of Jesus. That's what we do at Ascension Campus. Man, we're believing God for $5 million. Somebody say $5 million. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's more money than what you got. I said, Lord, we're not a church of millionaires, but we need millions of dollars. We're just ordinary people. He said, but you serve an extraordinary God. 
when ordinary people go to the mat for somebody in need, an extraordinary God shows up. And if we're faithful with nickels and pennies and dimes and quarters and dollars, God will give us the millions that we need to bring others to Jesus. Say everybody has a mat. Say everybody needs a friend. You know what? All I can do is grab a corner. I can't heal this guy. Listen, these fellas knew we don't heal, but we can bring him to the healer. They knew we don't save, but we can bring him to the Savior. They knew we don't deliver, but we can, deliver, we can bring him to the deliverer. Grabbing a corner of the mat. Look at what it says in verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Couldn't bring him to Jesus. Something was in their way. Now, notice this progression. Okay, I don't have this on the screen, but I want you to jot this down because I think this is a, a powerful progression when you see a need. Uh, write down the word, write down this phrase. They saw a need. They saw a need. Now, draw a little arrow next to that and put, they acted in faith. Okay, they saw a need. Somebody say, see a need. Say, act in faith. As a church, you can't overlook the man on the mat. We can't pretend that it doesn't exist in our community. We've got to see a need, and then we've got to act in faith. But watch what happens. They saw a need. They acted in faith, but that, they draw another little arrow next to that. And here's the third phrase. Put this down. They were met with opposition. When you see a need and act in faith, you will be met with opposition. Can I have a good amen? The devil doesn't like it when you step out in faith. The devil doesn't like it when you commit to sow a seed and to give out of a spirit of generosity. When you see a need and you act in faith, you will always be met by opposition. That tells me this. If you're not facing opposition, are you acting in faith? Mm, it's getting quiet in here. If you're not bumping into the enemy, are you taking enough steps of faith because the enemy doesn't like it when his kingdom is threatened? The enemy doesn't like it when we take ground for God. You see a need, you act in faith, you will be met with opposition. Here's where the story could have really stalled. They did their part in picking up their... Hey, what time do you want us to pick you up? Pick you up at 3 o'clock. They literally picked him up. They brought him to the house where Jesus was said to be. And they're met with this crowd that keeps them from getting inside. They could have quit right there. But the Bible says this, they did something unique. Look at the last half of verse 4. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Oh, now this is where we could shout. The third thing I want you to see is this. Faith will find a way. Faith. Everybody's got a mat. Everybody needs a friend. Faith will find a way. I can see the what's up boys. They, they get up to the house. They've got their friend. There's people everywhere. And the leader of the group, probably the one with the MBA, the, 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 the most education, he's probably the older one. He says, okay, guys, let's brainstorm. What are we going to do? Now, remember, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And probably one of the younger ones, maybe he's got skinny jeans, tattoos, some piercings, and 
man, a little uncouth, you know, hasn't learned the proper etiquette. He's like, guys, how about we go to the roof? We tear a hole in the roof and let him down right in front of Jesus. And the leader says, bad idea. That's a bad idea. Anybody else? Come on, we're, we're trying to brainstorm here. But listen, so strong is their faith in Jesus. And so great is their love for their friend. Do you see that combination? So strong is their faith in Jesus. So great is their love for their friend. You know what they did? They went through the roof. Now listen, we got to be men and women as a church. We got to commit to the mat. I'm going to go to the mat and I'm going to crash through the roof. Come on. Faith is going to find a way. It didn't make sense. I mean, I mean, think about this. Think about you're the homeowner. All right, you've agreed to the meeting. You've got the house spick and span. You've been working for weeks because you heard Jesus was coming. Everything is clean. Come on, some of you know what that's like. You're fixing to host some parties throughout the holidays. You got to get to work. You've worked hard to make sure your house is presentable to Jesus. And in the middle of the meeting, somebody is installing a skylight into your roof. I mean, if I'm the homeowner, I'm thinking, man, let's call, call a state farm agent, you know, and maybe we can claim this on our insurance. Jesus is here. This is an act of God, right? <laughs> Some of you will catch that later. <laughs> These boys took a chance. I mean, think about this. If you're part of the crowd, you're in the house. You might be a little upset because you have come early to the meeting so you could get a good seat. How many don't like it when people cut in line? Oh, yeah, you're real Christian in church, but, man, let somebody cut you off in traffic, and you're not so Christian. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. I mean, would the crowd get angry and hostile? Because, wait a second, we've been here for hours. We did our part. You guys showed up late, and now you're going to get in front of, oh, no, you didn't. And then think about Jesus. As Jesus is teaching, maybe he's making an important point. And this is such a distraction. Maybe the rabbi himself will frown upon this decision. But these boys, I can see, man, they go to the roof. They start digging and ripping things apart. They create a hole. And everybody's looking up. And you see four faces looking down. And they say, what's up? <laughs> see, these are the what's up boys. Because they, they loved their friends so much, they were going to go to the mat. Man, they, they saw the crowd, they knew the risk, but they decided to crash through the roof because faith will always find a way to get to Jesus. 320 offering is about finding a way to get people to the feet of Jesus. It's about building a campus in Ascension Parish. It's about holiday outreach for, for single moms and for widows, for foster care kids, for, for these, these young boys and girls in 70805. But when you give in this offering, you know what we're doing? We're picking up a corner of the mat. Hey, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And if we can bring people to the feet of Jesus, miracles happen. Can I have a good amen? These boys understood that you are closest to your victory when you face the greatest opposition. They counted on Jesus to heal their friend. At HPC, we go to the mat for people. Can I have an amen? I'm not challenged by your mat. Please don't be challenged by mine. We all need grace. I'm going to the mat, but I'm committed to be a friend. Faith's got to 
find a way. Look at what it says in verse 5. Seeing their faith. I don't want to ask the band to come up. Seeing their faith. Whose faith does Jesus see? Whose faith are we talking about here? Is it the man on the mat? Nope. It's the what's up boys. Seeing their faith. Somebody say their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Do you have any idea what the faith of one person can do for a friend? How many of you want people like that in your life? Be a friend like that in somebody's life. Now, what's odd is Jesus says first to this man on the mat, your, your sins are forgiven. I don't have time to unpack it, but if you read the, the next several verses, Pharisees were close by and they were listening to Jesus say that. And the Pharisees were offended. You say, wait a second, Pastor, I, I thought he needed help. His legs are broken. Why is Jesus talking about sins? Can I tell you this? The greatest miracle, even throughout the Gospels, is not that a lame or crippled man walks again. It's not that blinded eyes are open. And thank God for all of that. It's not that a body is healed or even physically raised from the dead. Those are all good miracles, but the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. The greatest miracle, what we're celebrating today through water baptism, is people saying yes to Jesus and going public with their faith. That's the miracle that Jesus wants. But the Pharisees are offended. Can I tell you, it's always a good day to offend a Pharisee. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a great day when a Pharisee is offended, and I have offended a lot of them. Jesus says this, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and go home? But I will prove to you that I, the Son of Man, have the authority. I've got the power to forgive sins and to heal bodies. Notice what he says here in verse 11. He says to the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Here's the, third, here's the fourth thing. The last thing I want you to see is this. God always does exceedingly abundantly above. He always does. He doesn't just do anything halfway. What Jesus starts, he completes. He says to this man on the mat, hey, pick up your mat. Take it with you. Now, that's why would Jesus say, take up your mat? I mean, I would think that he spent his entire life living on this three-by-six mat. If I had been confined to the mat, I wouldn't want to take it with me. I'd want to leave it behind me. But I think there's, there's, there's a reason why Jesus says, take it with you. You got power in your legs now. Walk out of here, but put this mat under your arm and take it with you. Why? To demonstrate his authority. This mat at one time held the man, but now his life is held in the hand of a sovereign God. <laughs> mat doesn't hold him anymore. God does. And this mat serves as a reminder. Every time he looked at this mat, he was reminded at what God had saved him from. Listen to me, church. Don't ever forget where you came from. I know you're in a good place right now. You're sitting in a, a, a beautiful building in a seat that somebody else sacrificed to pay for. 
Don't forget where you came from or what God delivered you out of. Every time you look at this mat, you're reminded of where you came from and how good God has been to you. And I believe also that when somebody sees the mat, they're going to ask a question. What's the deal with the mat? Oh, listen, you may see the glory, but you don't know the story. Let me tell you the story of what God has done for me. Come on, somebody. He took that mat and he went on to the house. I wonder what his conversation was like later that day. Fast forward to the end of his days when all of his friends are old and frail. Man, they're using canes and walkers, wheelchairs. Not this guy, because he's the healthiest guy in the room. His, his legs came with a nice warranty. Come on, somebody. God does exceedingly abundantly above. Could God use us as a church to create a supernatural experience for somebody else? That's what 320 is all about. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.